0: You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit
1: podcast with Ben
0: Garrett.
1: This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter, he's Zach Barry at Zach underscore Barry. Both right for the Omen Spirit, OMSpirit.com and feel it on If you haven't already subscribed, Brit, view talk of champions and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star view. Doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars, this podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Just simply search Talk
2: of Champions. Zach, what's up, man? How you doing? Much better today. Um, just a little PSA for all of our listeners out there. Do not, I repeat, do not get a lobster roll at Restoration Hardware if it is a landlocked location. Probably not the best decision on my part. So I will take that L right in the face. Um, but yeah, uh, yesterday, uh, I would say it's probably a good 36-hour window where I was feeling like I was on the verge of uh, probably, uh, I won't say dying, but man, it was it was rough. It was a tough scene for a while. But uh, we're all back. Um, Caffeinated, got an energy drink, going to uh, talk to you for uh, however long we do this, and then uh, go to the uh, new Whataburger that's in town. So it's going to be a good day. Really great idea there to
1: pile on top of the lobster roll with Whataburger. I love Whataburger, but probably not the best
2: approach to things. Uh, I feel like I'm in the clear now. Um, Thought that I possibly had COVID, tested uh, negative, so we're good there. So it seems like it was just a little, uh, I guess you could say, food poisoning or just a stomach bug. I don't know. Um, I, I assume that that's what it was. It had to have been the lobster roll because that night I didn't feel up to eat. Started feeling bad, so I didn't have anything that night. So uh, it had to have been that. Um, yeah, so, again, that's rookie move on my part to get a lobster roll at a place in nashville probably especially that place like there are other places here that that do lobster that i would trust far more than a uh, furniture store that just has a overpriced cafe in. other than that how's oh, it going yeah we're, we're great we're great wow. um yeah kids are great got a little snow uh nice. melted pretty quickly but uh it was nice got a couple pictures of the house but, you know, uh, but, but we're good. I mean, I, I'm trying to find things to do because there's not much going on with Ole Miss right now.
1: Yeah, there's nothing going on. No coaching <laughs> movement, no player movement, nothing recruiting-wise. What are you most intrigued by or paying attention to? What's the biggest story if you had to kind of rank them right now?
2: Uh, I would say the coaching moves, and I, I've talked to some people about it. Um, I'm kind of looking at it from both sides. I get the the hand-wringing, uh, the anxiety that goes with it. Uh, you don't want to lose quarters or coaches after a really successful season, but that's just kind of comes with the territory, especially in the SEC. Uh, it's just everybody's always up for grabs. Everybody is always looking for that next job. Um, but on the flip side, I mean, I think right now there are several – Coaches that are, you know, being courted by others. Um, But I think the Jeff Levy thing was expected. So that wasn't something that was out of left field. Um, He's an Oklahoma guy. He wanted to go back there eventually. And I think that the Durkin thing was a little out of left field, but I get it. It's a much more... It's a say stable position, more resources. Um, I, don't, I don't agree with any of that. You don't agree with that? I think mm-hmm. a is a much better, a much better gig. Well, Lebby
1: and Lane Kiffin weren't going to be long for working with each other. Um, their relationship just wasn't very good. I mean, that's well-documented. I don't think that's news to anybody. We've talked about that before on the yeah. spirit. We've talked about it on podcasts everywhere. Lane and Lebby, they don't hate each other. They didn't, Go to work every day thinking, God, I don't want to see this guy today. But they didn't have the there's best diff- There's different dudes. Different dudes and different approaches. Not saying it's right, wrong. Just different in how they go about things. And Jeff Lebby wanted to stay. And here's the thing. Ole Miss offered him more money than he, got, than he got at Oklahoma and even offered him the head coach in waiting title, and he still left. And I think a lot of people want to know what's going on. Well, the one that really surprised me was Wilson Love. Because that's Lane Kiffin's guy, him and Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith being a candidate for the same position at Miami, it would be silly to say there wasn't something to be concerned about. And a lot of it has to do probably with the working environment as a member of a Lane Kiffin staff. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just simply saying it's a different working environment than other places. It's a lot less structured Little chaotic in some ways. Lane Kiffin is an awesome game day caller and head coach, and he wins games. He's brilliant offensive mind, all those kind of things. But there are areas in which I don't know what the right word is. It's not aloof, but there's a little bit of an impulsiveness to Lane Kiffin and how he makes decisions. The reason Ole Miss didn't get Trey Berry is because of Lane Kiffin, because Jeff Lebby lined that up. And what what do you think right now, Ole Miss fan? Could Ole Miss have used? a playmaking tight end this year in his offense. I think everybody would say, yeah. Well, they could have had Trey Barry, but Lane Kiffin decided on a Tuesday, a Thursday, whatever, that he didn't want Trey Barry. And that's fine. It's his program to run. So I'm not calling it anything other than what it is. It's Lane Kiffin's program. But a lot of coaches are used to a particular structure with it or a particular operating procedure with all this stuff. And that's just not Lane Kiffin's M.O., So you're going to see a little bit more volatility. Well, not a little bit more. That's a lot more volatility. And I think if it weren't coming off the hills of 10-3 and in the Sugar Bowl, Ole Miss fans wouldn't be having this reaction, and I get it. And it is fair to say that Lane Kiffin as a recruiter isn't as engaged as other head coaches until it's nut-cutting time in November and December. Then he gets real serious about it. Well, in this industry, that's not the approach that's going to be sustainable for the long term. So there are some things that he has to get better with organizationally and operationally. But I still look at it as it depends on how you view the program in general. Lane Kevin's is your head coach. And because of the way he operates, it's going to be a little chaotic. And if you're not OK with that, well, then that's a bigger conversation. Otherwise, this is kind of part of the territory it comes with the territory with Lane Kiffin.
2: Yeah, that was my point of looking at it from both sides, where I get the concern with how the optics have been since the Egg Bowl. It's pretty much been kind of, you know, what the hell is going on with everything. Um, With all that said, though, I still think like the Wilson Love being his guy, they've been together since FAU. Um, I mean, I... I still think looking at it from a neutral perspective that Oregon is a better strength and conditioning job.
1: Oh, it is. But the fact that it was love, the fact that it was love. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. But I still think for a career move for a guy that is looking to make a lifetime out of being a strength and conditioning coach, it's pretty much hard. You would be hard pressed to turn down Oregon. I mean, you've got some of the best facilities in the country, all the money you need, And I can't fault someone for, you know, Hey, you're my guy Lane, but I got to take this opportunity. Like this is what's best for me and my family, blah, blah, blah. Um, same thing with Durkin. I mean, I I still think, you know, they Lane gave him a, gave him, gave him a chance, took a chance on him, brought him in, um, with all the optics surrounding his dismissal at Maryland, all that. But a and a better job. I mean, you look at who A&M has recruited over the past couple of seasons. He's going to have more talent to work with when he's there. He's going to have more money, um, more stability with a guy like Jimbo Fisher. who But has if a he leaves, business. that's not why he's leaving Ole Miss. It's because of the
1: working relationship or the lack well, of a working relationship. it could be a little both. But it's more about the working – re- well, it can be, but it's not. It's yeah, the working relationship. It can be, but it's not. It's the working relationship no? with Lane.
2: I think they, I think both can be true here where it's working with him is difficult at times. Also, this job is pretty great and hard to pass up.
1: Well, yeah, now, as a, he wouldn't as leave. Ole Miss, okay. If the job for UTSA opened up, he wouldn't leave Ole Miss for UTSA just because of the working relationship with Lane. Texas a does offer him the out to go to a good job, good money, But this isn't supposed to happen right now. And that's where Ole Miss fans are upset, or whatever they are, however you want to describe it. And I get that completely. And I saw somebody make the comparison to Arkansas and how Sam Pittman not nearly as accomplished as Lane Kiffin and Kendall Bryles is still there, Barry Odom's still there. You're not seeing this kind of roster or coaching staff upheaval like you're seeing at Ole Miss, and that's perfectly fair. But, again, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. It's just Lane Kiffin's operating him up, and that's okay. He wins games. He won 10 games. And until that changes, I think the hand-wringing is a little over the top because when you signed up for Lane Kiffin, you signed up for a mercenary. When Ole Miss hired Lane Kiffin, it was completely irrelevant. Nationally, nobody was paying attention. Recruiting was just blah. There was no real momentum with this program. The only person you could have hired to give you that instant shot of all those things was Lane Kiffin, and that's what Ole Miss did. So from that vantage point, not only was it the right move, but it was the only move. But when you sign up for that guy, one of the biggest knocks against him is his inability or his lack thereof of building a program so far. And I think that it's pretty obvious at this point, and it's well-sourced enough to where I have no problem saying it. Lane Kiffin, I don't think, believed he was going to be here next year. I think he thought 10 wins at Ole Miss, all these jobs opening up, and there's still an opportunity or two potentially for him in the NFL. But he got hit in the face with reality in this coaching carousel of the lack of opportunities that he actually had. LSU never really paid attention to him. Florida never really paid attention to him. Miami kind of, and he would have taken Miami probably, but they were laser focused on Mario Cristobal and had Miami not hired Mario Cristobal, the likelihood is they would have just retained Manny Diaz and gone into the season like USC did with Clay Helton and then fired him in September, October. And maybe then they re with Mario Cristobal one more time. He tells them no pivot to Lane Kiffin, and Lane probably takes the job. But there are going to be some opportunities potentially for him in the NFL. If Cliff Kingsbury can work, um, then you look at Lane Kiffin and how he does the whole pro mindset thing. And there are going to be some NFL teams that maybe want to take that chance because Lane Kiffin does make a lot of sense. The Vikings make a lot of sense. The Jaguars make a lot of sense. So I don't think he thought he was going to be here. And I don't think it's bad to say that either. Why is it bad to say that? Just acknowledge the reality of it but that's all a part of what comes with the Lane Kiffin experience. So I don't know where I am on everything. I do agree with people um, and, and sympathize with people who have a real concern right now about the direction of things, especially coming off the success of this year. But I also lean towards, this is just kind of part of it with Lane Kiffin and I'm not knocking it anyway any way because Lane Kiffin's been awesome, absolutely awesome in every way for Ole Miss. But these off-season, chaotic off-seasons, kind of a byproduct of it. And it And this is the perfect storm, too, right, to where you have the success and then the concerns from athletics directors and other administrators that might be involved in the hiring process at other schools, not really considering Lane Kiffin because of past history and things like that. So while on paper, yeah, everything looks superb for him as a candidate, And you got all the national media people, including with every single opening that came open, every single one of them. At the end of the day, how close did he get? He he didn't get close. And now, after thinking on paper, well, I'm going to have opportunity here, here, and here. Well, now you don't. And now your coaches are leaving. So what's next? And this is going to be the most critical offseason, I think, for Lane Kiffin, potentially in his entire college coaching career.
2: Yeah, I I think two things just to follow up with what you just said. I think it's incredibly difficult initially for Ole Miss fans to deal with this because Ole Miss fans have never been in this position. You've never had this kind of off where you've had the turnover potentially on a staff after a successful season. You go to a New Year's Six bowl. Um, you you know you win ten games the regular season for the first time ever. Um, I think that Ole Miss probably had a a really good shot to win 11 for the first time ever if Matt Corral doesn't get hurt. um, It it would have been an ugly one, but I think they win. Um, We haven't even talked about the Sugar Bowl, but I mean, Baylor was just better that night. They were more prepared, they were the better team. They were more physical. Um, I think they probably eke out a win with Corral. The defense played great. And I think with Corral, you only got to score, you know, 24, 23 points. I think they could probably do that. But anyway, I think that's the thing for. Ole Miss fans is they've never had to deal with this, so they're kind of a, you know, I'm trying to think of a metaphor, but yeah, they just don't know what to do. It's kind of, I guess, you know, don't know what to do with your hands type thing. Where are you, How are we supposed to feel about this? On one hand, we have this record setting season. Our quarterback is, you know, in the Heisman race for most of the season. Um, everything is great, and then going into the bowl game, you start to get rumblings of staff changes and signing day doesn't go as expected and now it's 2022 we're looking at January 5th here and you possibly are going to lose both coordinators your strength and conditioning guy and um you know another power five school was looking at trying to poach your running backs coach uh so I think that's the thing it's it's hard for Ole Miss fans to kind of deal with the emotions how are they supposed to feel right now with all the uncertainty and and how things have just dramatically changed where it was you beat mississippi state go 10 and 2 everything's great you wake up that sunday man what a great regular season let's find out where we're going for a bowl game probably gonna go to the sugar bowl either way what a time now it's What is happening? And then also, the head coach is on a boat somewhere, uh, seemingly not trying to rectify things as quickly as possible. So, I I get why people are upset. I understand it. And I don't think that it's unwarranted. Um, And the other thing I was going to bring up, and I want to say it before I I don't want to keep going and forget you mentioned the NFL possibility. I talked to um, a college coach uh, recently, and he made a great point uh now I never thought of it this way about why and it was right after Urban Meyer had been fired and he made a um we were talking about college coaches going to the NFL that are you know successful college coaches and why some of them don't work um and he made it it was pretty simple but I was like man that's I feel like that's pretty accurate that's probably true um college coaches that aren't successful in the NFL the difference between those that can be successful in the NFL, it's all about, you know, who who's the face of the program in the NFL, face of the organization, the players.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When you think of the Packers, you think of Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. When you think of the Chiefs, it's Mahomes, it's Travis Kelsey, you know, Titans, it's Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown. You know, it's all players. Um, in college, though, when you think of the programs, you think of the players outside of, you know, Nick Saban. Okay, Alabama, okay, fair. But you still think of Bryce Young. You still think of Jamison Williams. You think of Brian Robinson. Same goes for college. College is more about the head coach and the NFL is all about the players. When I was talking with this college coach, the point that he made was the successful college coaches that go to the NFL and do not succeed are the ones who cannot get over the ego and cannot get over how they are not the face of everything. Where it's you have to accept The players are the big deal here. I am just the coach. And I thought that that was an interesting point and a great way to look at it. Because you think about it. I mean, Steve Spurrier, big ego guy. Nick Saban, big ego guy. Urban Meyer, all three of those guys, incredibly successful college coaches. Yeah, I I
1: just, I don't think you can clump Urban Meyer in there with like a Nick Saban. Because Nick Saban didn't succeed. And he was actually successful relative to the year-to-year results for typical NFL teams. But the reason he didn't have long-standing success in the NFL was not because he's not awesome and wouldn't been great. It's because the organization chose Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees. It's quite simple. But it is a very well, it is is a, player driven that is you're fact. right. Yeah.
2: Yes. Urban so
1: everybody and their something. mother knew that Urban Meyer was a bad idea. Everybody
2: well,
1: did. Yeah. But, but I for just every never Matt Rule at it
2: from that perspective
1: yeah. no and i agree with that but for every matt rule there is a cliff kingsbury i, I just think he kind of gets overplayed the college coaches not working out in the nfl and bill belichick i mean, I mean he was a failed head coach a couple of times i guess
2: and he's I mean, that's one of the best coaches the with, yeah with like cliff i mean right you want to talk about somebody that's marketable and yeah you don't think handsome, cliff's got an cool. ego yeah he's got a massive but I mean, ego but i think he gets it like kyla murray he's the face like i have a nice face but it's not about me And, you know, Pete Carroll did that for a long time when he, you know, when Russell Wilson got there, like he knew he understood. I'm just the coach like, yeah, I get to do interviews and I'm on TV, too. But like, I don't know, I'm as someone that's a more I'm more of a college football person and I don't you know, I watch the NFL, but I'm not big into it. That was an. And coming from a college coach that's been around the game for a long time, that was a very interesting way to look at things and I was
1: like okay like it's just so easy though to point out Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer and Nick Saban and then not point out Cliff Kingsbury and Pete Carroll on and on and Matt Rule books still out on that one
2: yeah I mean we'll we'll see I mean they're Uh not great this year but
1: no no he's not interesting with where Ole Miss is right now what we've been telling people as far as the player stuff is concerned and the kids getting in the portal and um, I've talked about Snoop and Jerry on both being gone for months. I feel like, and even having said that, and you feel like you got to repeat yourself over and over on message boards, wherever, podcasts, just so it won't be new information when it's, when it actually does happen. And it's happening. And the reason why I said I think a week ago, I wrote on the message board on the Old Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, dot and Food On Three dot com, that Snoop and Chance, there was optimism growing. For both of them to return next year was because Ole Miss had worked out, I was told, NIL deals with both of them. But then Shuck follows up a couple of days later and says, or post reports that even with the NIL deal, Snoop is still leaning towards leaving. And then you wonder, then as a fan, well, what the hell happened? Well, what happened was probably usage with Snoop Connor, from best I understand it, usage. and, And remember, at the start of the year, what was he fourth on the depth chart? Now passing the eye test is different than the actual statistics themselves. So Ole Miss fans watch the games and say, well, Snoop's the best running back on the roster. Well, the stats don't really back that up. I agree because I'm just like you when I watch it. I go, wow, that guy pops compared to other guys. But statistically, it's not really the case. Having said that, Snoop would be a big loss because jerion has gone. And Zach Evans, can he get academically eligible? If he gets academically eligible, assuming that Ole Miss does land him with or without Kevin Smith and Ole Miss is the prohibitive favorite to land him if he does transfer from TCU because he can still go back. That one's not really a loss because, yes, Snoop, you love Snoop, and Snoop's awesome. He's, he's a great player, and you love to have him back. But Zach Evans and Henry Paris and Bullock, who was ahead of Snoop as the year started, that's still a good place to start. Or Wilson Love leaving. Nick Savage is a better strength and conditioning coach than Wilson Love, and that is not knocking Wilson Love. I have the utmost respect for that guy and think the world of that guy. Great dude, great strength and conditioning coach. But Nick Savage is more accomplished as a strength and conditioning coach than Wilson Love. But there's been more bad news compounded on bad news or what can be construed as bad news than good news. So for every Jaron Willis and every Nick Savage, Kevin Smith interviewing at Miami, Chris Partridge is a candidate for the defensive coordinator job at Rutgers, and he take Marquise Watson with him. Matt Lindsay, widely expected to be gone at the end of the year. I mean, his role had mm-hmm. been greatly diminished from September until the end of the year to where he was effectively just the clipboard holder on Saturdays for Lane Kiffin. From a recruiting <laughs> operations standpoint, yeah. it was Alex Collins and Mason Bill and um, a few others. Matt Lindsay's loss, that, that was expected, but once you start to put it all together, it looks like an avalanche. And I think that the real concern, and it's valid, is that you're losing coordinators to lateral moves, whether you think Oklahoma is a lateral move or not, Texas stadium is a lateral move or not. If you aspire to be a program is on a level playing field with those programs, you can't lose your successful coordinators to lateral positions. You would hope that they would get hired and improved upon in their position or standing like Jeff Lebby goes and becomes a head coach somewhere. Instead, he leaves money on the table and the head coach and waiting title to go to Oklahoma. It's his alma mater. Sure. But let's be honest here. The pool of going back home This is not Matt Luke. (laughs) This is not one of those things where, oh, I got to get back to so-and-so because that's the dream job. Jeff Levy wanted to stay. Why did he leave? Because he and Lane didn't have a great working relationship. And DJ and Lane don't have the best working relationship. All things equal, if they did have a good working relationship, both of those guys would stay. But that's not a knock on Lane because Lane just won 10 games, and this is kind of what comes with the territory with Lane Kiffin. As much as you try to warn people and tell people of what could come, and how many times we said you got to pay attention to transfer portal? How you watch recruiting has got to be completely different. Understanding that Ole Miss is going to lose a lot of players to the portal. Who's been a surprise so far? Snoop would kind of be a surprise, but we've been saying Ole Miss expects to lose Snoop and Ely. Where are they going to go, Ben? Where are they going to go? Well, Jerry going to go pro. Yeah, he's going to go pro. Well, he's going pro. Snoop is going to transfer out. Why would he transfer? He'd have more opportunity. Well, usage. It's part of that, and they have to get back down to the 85-hard cap now. They have to get down to that number. So Bryce Ramsey, he, he might be. Bryce Ramsey would probably be considered a surprise as well. But Bryce Ramsey wasn't playing at all at the end of the year, and these kids have opportunities. So once you put it all together, it looks like an avalanche. I don't think it's an avalanche, but I do completely agree that it is not normal to lose both coordinators after a year like this. And for anybody to just say, oh, it's part of it. He's going back to his alma mater. He's do-. That's just not true. I mean, if you want to look at the Ole Miss situation for what it is, let's just call it what it is. As good as Lane is and as awesome as Lane is, and I wish Lane would be the head coach of Ole Miss football forever. As much as I could say all those things, whether you believe it or not, he's not the easiest guy to work for because he completely walks to the beat of his own drum. He's independent of everybody else. His program is his program. He's going to do what he wants to do. I mean, just think about some of the stuff he's done, like firing Randy Clements after spring football. Might as well take a knife and put it in the back of Jeff Levy, but Jeff Levy's his offensive coordinator. He's Lane Kiffin's offensive coordinator. So if you're an Ole Miss fan, of course you sympathize with Lane Kiffin. You either trust Lane Kiffin or you don't, because that's what you signed up for. And a little bit of chaos, a little bit of offseason upheaval is part of it. Now, I didn't think there'd be this much as far as staff turnover, but we knew there'd be staff turnover. Going to jump right back to Zach Perry in this edition of Talk of Champions after Zach tells you briefly about
2: a couple of sponsors of Talk of Champions. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar in Oxford. 10,000 square feet of indoor space and three-quarters of an acre of outdoor space complete with a full-stage indoor and outdoor projectors, three bars, a children's playground, and parking on site for you to come and enjoy all of their open fire barbecue and the fixings that come with it. And now you can contact Lamar Yard and ask them about their catering and private event rental options. Perfect for that next big celebration and or the Grove party in the fall, or if you want to inquire about doing some catering in the spring for Ole Miss Baseball. They are your quintessential family and pet-friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at LamarYard.com. Football season is back at Ole Miss. As we all know, we are rolling in to the end of the 2021 season. And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than Sola on South Lamar. Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two for one Moscow mules, all of that and more, the best and brightest in house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, SolaOxford.com or call them at 662 238 3500 and place your order today show also brought to you by Memphis restaurateur Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. You can learn more about the nationwide shipping at irisetc.com and you can also book a virtual cooking class online at table22.com slash iris. Kelly English restaurant group in Memphis, second line restaurant Iris and the Magnolia House down on the coast in Biloxi. The show is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over, see Cody Allen and the rest of the crew take on their challenge of the wide plush Zoys Fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444.
1: Code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. BXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions podcast network.
2: One thing I don't hear a lot of people talking about is the hierarchy here of who's in charge and how Kiffin beats to his own drum. He's the head coach. Everybody kind of has to deal with it or, you know, go somewhere else. Fair. But Kiffin's boss is Keith Carter. How, How long before Keith Carter decides enough is enough and has a sit down? Where it's like, all right, man. I get well, it. Let, let me ask your di-
0: qu- let okay, me answer your ahead. question
1: with this question, then. Can Keith Carter really say that he's in a position to do that? Really? Yes, that's his coach. It's <laughs> his hire. <laughs> he's the boss, but once you sign up for the Wayne Kiffin experience, you're signed up. There's nothing he could do. You could be really upset with losing all these guys and talking this, that, and the other. But Lane Kiffin is old Miss football. Lane Kiffin is old Miss football. And whether Keith likes it or not, he's tied to Lane Kiffin. He has to give the guy sure. what he wants. There's nothing he can do. So you could sit him down and say, what's going on here? And Lane's just going to do what Lane does. He's going to say, well, he wanted to go to his alma mater and this, that, and the other. What is that going to accomplish? There's nothing that Keith can really say to this guy. Lane runs this ship. He captains this ship. And, yes, athletics directors are the bosses of their head coaches. But Ole Miss is unique in a lot of different ways right now, and one of those is Lane Kiffin isn't really answering to much of anybody. Yes, Keith holds the keys, and he's the boss. And at the end of the day, last word goes through Keith. But Lane's got a lot of control, unprecedented control over everything involving his program that he wouldn't get anywhere else. That was one of the things that kind of stuck out to me. When we knew that he was pursuing other opportunities, we reported as much. But if you said it, if you said anything that could be construed in any way as remotely negative or anything that was not sunshine and rainbowy about Lane Kiffin, you'd get persecuted for it. You'd get destroyed for it. People would say, oh, you're just this, that, whatever, which is completely understandable. But what it does do, it prevents you from really going out on that ledge all that often. It keeps you – I mean, what's the upside? What's the upside to telling you guys that it isn't the most healthy or typical coaching environment for assistants under Lane Kiffin when all you're going to get is, oh, you're just a hater. You need access. You need this. I don't need access. I don't give a shit about access. I don't care about any of that stuff. I do my job, and I go home, and that's it. I don't care. I don't care about any of it. I actually, I prefer not to travel anymore. I put in 11, 12, 13 years doing that. I'm good. So covering recruiting, covering big stories for own three. I love that. I'm great with it. So access, that's, that doesn't matter. But if you said anything that could be construed in any way as negative, that would be the response. Oh, you need access. You're a homer. You hate lane. No, I love lane. Lane Kiffin is awesome for business. Awesome. And for winning almost just won 10 games. But there has to be a happy medium, Zach. There has to be a happy medium to where you can actually say something that is true and not get attacked for it. But it feels like everywhere we go, everywhere you go these days with people, it doesn't matter if it's sports, if it's politics, if it's anything, everybody's just going to that outlet that basically confirms their biases or confirms what they believe anyway. They just want to feel good. So once you get to that place and you try to be a person that, tells you everything that's going on, thinking that that's the job. People are paying you to know – or paying to know what you know. And the upside to that is nothing, and all you're doing is getting criticized for it, then what, what do you do? You just do the best you can and hope for the best and then let them be surprised when there is significant upheaval. What if I would have said that Jeff Lebby and Lane Kiffin don't like each other? I thought we did say that. What if I were to say that DJ Durkin and Lane Kiffin had many a run in this season with how things were done?
2: My point about Keith Carter having – a Put his put down is to say we need a happy medium. You can have your head coach be his own person and have his personality, and that's what's great about him. And that's what um, is part of the reason why they hired him because of his personality, his persona on social media, his swagger, all of that. that that's fine. But you can't do all that and essentially treat people like shit like it's it's very obvious that there's something going on inside that building where guys are like man like we just had a great season the players here are great we love everybody we recruited oxford's awesome our boss keith carter is awesome but i'm gonna go take this other job my point is i think keith carter's gotta just look you have no leverage anymore lane there aren't any jobs out there that you can say well You can't talk to me like that because I might go take the Miami jump. Well, no, they hired Mario Cristobal, so try again. Well, I might go to the NFL. Okay, cool. Go find another coach. I I don't think that there's this – at no point should the head coach be bigger than the university. There are some that have earned that. I think Nick Saban is bigger than the University of Alabama because Nick Saban has won however many national titles and recruits his ass off and they have the best players in the country every single year. He has earned that. Mike Kiffin's not earned that. So there is no, I'm bigger than Ole Miss. I do what I want. I go on my boat right after the Sugar Bowl and don't have to listen to y'all because I won 10 games. No, dude, like that's not. But it It is. is. (laughs) Both can be true. He can be great for the program, great for business. He can win on the field, all of that. But on the flip side, you've got to be able to have some give and take. You've got to be able to acknowledge, okay, maybe I should change the way I do things. Maybe, may, maybe the way I act is is rubbing people the wrong way. Maybe I need to do some self assessment here. Good luck. He's incapable. If he's incapable of that, and it just continues, are you willing to do this year in year out? Where, because look, there's no guarantee he's going ten and two every year. Because obviously, if you ask people, well, you know, are you cool with winning 10 games every year and still having this staff? Well, of course, nobody's going to give a shit. You're going to take 10 wins every year and, well, we got to go hire some more people to go, you know, 10 and 2. Of course, that's not going to happen every single year. The schedule early works out in Ole Miss's favor next season. After that, the second half of the season is tough. What's next year going to look like? There is no Matt Corral to save you on offense. You're going to lose some big-time pieces on defense. Sam Williams is gone. Mark Robinson declared for the NFL. Um, You know, I don't know what Chance Campbell and Jake Springer are going to do, but those two dudes were extremely important to your defense. You're going to have to replace a lot, and your coordinator's gone. Now, maybe they promote Chris Partridge. He's been in that building. He's been in those meetings. I think about the three two six leader in the clubhouse. Because if you don't – He's got other opportunities. He's
1: got all the opportunities. He's got three or four opportunities right now, one of which is Rutgers' defensive coordinator and taking Marquise Watson with him. So if you don't promote him, you're probably losing him too. And even if you do promise to promote him, he's got other opportunities. You're going to have to really pay him. It's not just as simple as, I'll just give it to Chris Chris Bartridge. Well, yeah, because he's going to be the sole
2: DC. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying
1: is it's not as simple as saying, We'll just give it to Chris because Chris has options. He has leverage. So this is going to have to be a real negotiation to keep him
2: too. Yeah, yeah, No, I'm saying like legitimate sole title, more money, basic boilerplate stuff that you do in the SEC. Don't you have to um, keep him? I think you do. And, you know, yeah. I, I know people hate promoting from within, and I think most of that is because people love searches and love the the rush of looking I, for a I new think Ole
1: Miss fans. Are kind of over
2: searches right now. Maybe, maybe they are. I, I, I love it. I, yeah. I love, I love candidates and looking I don't. at the people. But I don't. Partridge makes a ton of sense. And he, like I said, he's in his past time to get Marquise Watson on the field. Yeah, so he can get on the road and recruit. I mean, it's probably one of your best recruiters, and he can't even be on the road.
1: Yeah. Um, well, he was on the road makes, once Jeff Lebby was well, yeah. ticketed for Oklahoma, but as as far as yeah, full time. He needs to be on the he needs to be on the road at, at all times.
2: At all times. He's probably at worst
1: their third best recruiter.
2: At worst. Yeah, I'd probably probably say Partridge. Randall Joyner. Yeah. Marquise Watson.
1: Yeah.
2: Link Kiffin up there somewhere. Because he when he cares if personally re- <laughs> if he's personally recruiting someone like Davis and Igvenosin, yeah. it matters. Yeah. Um yeah, right. you got to get Marquise Watson on the field somehow. Um
1: well the only way to do that is to promote Chris and then I guess, and that's something I've heard, is promote Chris, give him the full-time D.C. title, move Randall Joyner to linebacker's coach, which I don't know how I feel about that because the defensive line was really good this year. But it is mm-hmm. his former position, and Marquise right, Watson is the defensive line coach, and Marquise is the one that coached Old Miss's
2: defensive line in the Outback Bowl. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, Joyner played – linebacker at SMU so it makes Mm -hmm. a ton of sense um and the bottom line is if you don't give it to Chris he's
1: probably going to be gone too probably
2: yeah and that's the thing is you got to keep those three guys on staff because Randall Joyner has one he's a phenomenal coach um I think he's a great guy for the building from all accounts in Oxford and just from talking to different national analysts and different high school coaches, people love that guy. He's got a ton of ties in Texas. Um, but then him Watson and Partridge are incredibly important for that defense and the future of the program as far as recruiting goes. So those are probably the three most important guys that you need to keep right now because mm-hmm. Durkin's going to a You've already lost love. He's not a recruiter, but he's a staff guy. And then Levy's gone too. So, um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something like, you know, you bring in Charlie wise jr. I don't hate the hire. I didn't think it was flashy or the one that I would have made, but he's a continuity guy. There's a comfortability there. He's worked with lane, but he's not, he's not known as a great recruiter. Now he hasn't really been asked to do a ton of recruiting because when he was at FAU, they dealt with a lot of transfers. Kiffin would recruit the quarterbacks and then at USF, I mean, let's be real. That's a terrible program. They're really bad. So it's hard to recruit there, but You need as many recruiters as you can get. I mean, if you follow recruiting enough, you know that just because Randall Joyner is a defensive coach and a defensive line coach doesn't mean he's only recruiting defensive line. He can go recruit anyone. You need to stockpile as many recruiters on that staff as you can. So um, The the
1: familiarity thing with Charlie Weiss Jr. is why it makes so much sense. Not to pile on here, but Katie Basin, who – was the director of player development? She's left for FIU, and she handled academic schedules, meals, a lot of the off the field stuff. So now you've lost Matt Lindsay, Katie, Wilson, Love, John Miller's retiring. Might stop. Oh, he did decide. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I, it was a done deal in the fall, but there's been a little bit of uh, teetering, or hesitancy, or maybe a little bit of backtracking considering at least staying on staying on it's just a lot of upheaval it's not just on the field staff it's off the field too but if you look at what he's done nick savage is a great hire that's a great hire charlie weiss jr it's it's fine i get it from a familiarity standpoint makes a lot of sense it's
2: it's a wait and see hire for me yeah he did some really nice things at fau everybody speaks highly of him um Matt Zenitz, the On3 national reporter, I talked to him. He said that Nick Saban and everyone in that building when he was at Alabama think that he's got the brightest future in the industry. Eh, uh, that's he, a little strong. <laughs> that, that's, that's what they said. They said he was an yeah. incredibly bright young man. Well, Lane sees a lot of himself in Charlie Weiss Jr. too.
1: I think that's part. Hey, of it. hey
2: super young. That yeah. was part of the 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 post that I did where there was a – interview where that's what he said that you know Pete Carroll took a chance on him when he was super young and that's kind of what he's doing here so it's wait and see is is he gonna work who knows but yeah I mean I think it made a ton of sense because he he's worked with him before and he knows that he knows that working relationship as far as calling plays and getting the offense prepared they've done it before so and that's probably some of the the issues that he and Levy had where Maybe they were both a little too hands-on, and Kiffin wanted to do things his way. Levy wanted to do it another way. But, I mean, how is that fair? Lane Kiffin said he's my offensive coordinator. He's going to call plays. And now it's a collaborative effort. Yeah. Head coaches say a lot of things, Ben. They do. So, he, the Charlie White thing, you know, they've done it before. So, I'm mm-hmm. sure coming in, Charlie White knows what to expect. So, um, yeah. I, and that know, can't be discounted, too. I think that's an important thing. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I personally thought – Maybe Anthony Tucker would have been the route that I would have gone. Um, he and Lane know each other from their time at Fresno State. There were some parallels with uh, DJ completely Durgan makes sense for him to default though to the guy he knows the best. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially maybe, maybe this is showing some growth from Tiffin. Maybe he's starting to realize, like, man, like things are not going well here. I need to change. Maybe well, he I wouldn't thought, say not going to, well. That's well, you you know what I mean. Just the whole podcast we've we've been talking about the the working environment. Maybe he's trying to reel it back in, where he's like, "All right, I got a s- stable OC that I know I can trust, and I know works well with me." That's fine. Yeah. Then he's I, I can, then he's maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe Linkin doesn't care. I don't know. I don't but, think he really cares. <laughs> to be honest, probably not. Which and I, I kind of love that point, he doesn't care because.
1: This is just part of it, man. I, I want to cover a couple of things because we got to talk about recruiting. This is supposed to be when you and I get together recruiting podcast. There's just not a lot going on right now as far as recruiting. It's a quiet period. You're not going to get visits until January 12th. They're not really recruiting very many, if any. I think Matthew McCoy is a guy they really like, but there's not many, if any, high school prospects they're really targeting for February. they've seen but That's it. Yeah. They're really focused on the transfer portal. There's not a lot of momentum yeah. right now with any quarterbacks. Cam Ward, I was told there hadn't been any real communication between Ole Miss and Cam Ward for a while now. I'm tempted to remove him from the hot list, but I just, I don't know if I feel that strongly about it yet. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. Luke Altmaier, I think, is really talented, but it's not an indictment on Luke Altmaier. It's more about just getting some competition for him. Well, the only competition you got is Kincaid Dent. You need real competition. I don't you, know what they do. You need another scholarship. I don't even remember what I was going to talk about before that. So let's just get into recruiting here. So what, what's the latest for somebody that's just tuned in for this? They don't pay attention to the spirit recruiting dailies. They're not really plugged into what we're talking about every single day on the
2: message. board. they don't have the time for it. They're just listening to this podcast. What's the update? I, I mean, honestly, it's just transfer portal watch. That's that's what it's been. Um, you mentioned how they're not really recruiting a ton of high school guys for February. I think Igbenosin's probably the only one, unless there's a shocker. You, you mentioned Matthew McCoy. The offensive lineman from Florida, maybe he shocks them and and wants to join. They've already got a pretty big offensive line class, as it is. But with the expected attrition and transfer portal, maybe they do add another. I think Benoson's the only one. Uh, it's somewhat breaking news. It was a little earlier, but he tested positive for COVID, so he will no longer be playing in the All-American Bowl on Saturday, which is a bummer for him because the senior season was cut short because of COVID, and now he's not going to be able to play in the All-Star game, which sucks. I, I feel bad for him. Um, still expected to pick Ole Miss. I don't know when he's going to announce it because he was planning on doing the announcement at the game. Um, so now that he is no longer uh, participating, I don't know if it's going to be a, you know, go back home, try to set up an announcement back in New Jersey, no idea. Uh, I still think it's Ole Miss. Um, the word is that he already sent in his letter of intent on the early signing period, and he was just wanting to announce it at the All-American game. Um, I think it's Olmis, who, uh, he sent the papers to. So at this, at this juncture, he's just going to have to announce it. Um, but yeah, transfer portal, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, we've been incredibly busy monitoring that. Um, you mentioned yesterday, uh, West Weeks, a linebacker from Virginia. Ole Miss is yet to offer, but he jumped into the portal on Monday. Um, pretty solid freshman year for Virginia. Ole Miss recruited him out of high school. Um, they, uh, haven't offered yet, but LSU, South Carolina, and, uh, USC have offered him, but mostly it's just been, you know, when is Zach Evans going to announce? I think most people believe that he is going to pick Ole Miss. He's got some academic hurdles that he needs to get over. Um, I'm not sure the extent of them. I don't have that well sourced or don't really feel like getting into it because I I don't feel like there's any way I would actually know any, you know, have any concrete way of knowing this is what he has to do. I, I think the same thing goes for Dion Smith. Um, he's got academic hurdles. Um, everything looked like it was going to be all Ole Miss. Um, then it was okay. He's got some classes. He needs to to finish up before spring. He'll take some intercession classes. No big deal. Now it's okay. Actually he's got a bunch of stuff he needs to get done. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. If he transfers to
1: old Miss, no, yeah. which has widely been the expectation since October. And I've had this question, too. How can so-and-so school recruit so-and-so when he's not even in the portal yet? Or how can there be some rumors about so-and-so? Because every school in America is tampering. That's part of the Wild West nature of the NIO and uh, mm-hmm. one-year penalty-free mm-hmm. transfer that's been created. And until the NCAA, which is just the worst, regulates this yeah. thing, it just is what it is. That's just how it's going to be going to take another quick minute here to let
2: Zach tell you about a couple more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Podcast brought to you by Protection Unlimited Incorporated, the Mid-South's leader in commercial and residential alarm security. Wayne Lowry and his team have been serving the greater Memphis area and North Mississippi for 50 plus years and would love to get your business and or family protected today. They offer cutting edge security for your home or business with video surveillance options and they're monitoring 24-7, 365. You can reach them via phone at 901-754-6510 or email them at info at protectionunlimited.com. Podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis' leading team of finance professionals. They can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn more about them at BluffcityAdvisory.com. Podcast brought to you by the Barry Home Team. When you're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home. Call Stacy and Rick Barry today. They will lead you through the process from property assessment, repairs, staging, and putting that sold sign in your yard. Both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status, and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures. Call them, 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421. After you have talked to the Barry Home Team, you can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They're dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. Find more information at SaddleCreekTitle.com or call them, 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McFord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They're your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around, give Davis a call. He is ready to help. 901-755-6110. And get your surprisingly great rates today, like a good neighbor. State Farm is there
1: with Deion Smith. Everything that we said was supposed to happen happened. Gets into the portal, visits Ole Miss, gonna sign with Ole Miss. The academic hurdle stuff, I think Ole Miss didn't anticipate it being as tough as it is. So, if he does transfer, it'll be an Ole Miss. If he doesn't transfer, It'll be because of academic stuff. It just sticks at LSU.
2: I think it'll be crazy. because of
1: because of family. 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 It's gonna be all yeah, because so, academically you just couldn't get it done. I think the longer that it drags out, the tougher
2: it is for us That's my belief. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's, that's completely
1: that's, unfounded in anything sourcing well, wise or whatever.
2: It's more about just my opinion. I would say that's typically how things work in recruiting, though. Yeah, yeah, that's the just, longer you wait. That's not some prophetic thing. Yeah, the worse the chances are. But that's pretty much been what we've been doing. portal watch. I mean, that's that's college football now. It is how most people are operating, and I think. That but Ole Miss been, isn't
1: really crushing it in the portal, though. No, Jordan Watkins is a big point. get. Is a big get. Ladarius Tennessee is a big get. Yes, but you're starting to lose out on guys like Kanata Mumfield to Pittsburgh, Jake uh, Jacob Cohen to. Anywhere but Old Miss. Arizona. Arizona. That's right. Arizona. Isaiah Naylor is going to visit Tennessee. USC. Yeah, USC. Texas. Thank you. I think I should have done my homework before this, but those three <laughs> schools. No, Mi- Old Miss mentioned. I know Ole Miss absolutely loves that kid. Loves that kid. Same thing with the Cohen kid, too. Love those guys. But yeah, I think well, that's my thing where was you start to point at NIL stuff.
2: Yeah, and also, I'm glad we got here because I meant to bring this up earlier and I forgot, everybody else is doing it now. I mean, look, it, it, you can criticize Kiffin for a lot of things, but look, he was ahead of the he was ahead of the game last year. With That's Portland. right. He was, and not many people else were doing it. Now everyone's doing the portal. So the pool is much smaller, and NIL comes into play. I mean, look, I, Dylan Gabriel was all NIL you know that I know that most people that listen well, to the show all NIL well him I ended up in Oklahoma, part,
1: but him ending up in Oklahoma with Jeff Lebby yes I agree well, was, I was told that, that he didn't Lebby. do yeah
2: well Lebby the UCLA the, thing was NIL yes
1: yes yeah I without mean, was, the Lebby connection it was all NIL and I was told that Dylan Gabriel doesn't do interviews does not do anything unless he's paid to do them good for him that's
2: that's what I was gonna
1: say. It, yeah, yeah I mean, them. cool, man. Get get your money. Get your but- get yours. But I think it's pretty obvious once Levy goes to Oklahoma, Caleb Williams transfers out, and he's not coming to Ole Miss. I know there's some people out there that think that it's a possibility that Ole Miss is gonna raise the money, and this, that, and the other. He's not coming to Ole Miss. If he does, I'll eat my shoe. No, I won't because then then if it happened, I'd have to eat a shoe. If it does happen, you know what, fine, I'll eat a flip flop. You get One a once. lobster roll at Restoration <laughs> Hardware. Yeah, that's what I'll do. I don't even know what Restoration Hardware is. You, you, don't once, need, you know, I don't need it, yeah, obviously. But once Caleb Williams transfers out and then Dylan Gabriel ends up at Oklahoma, it's obvious that Jeff Levy played a key factor in that as well. Right. So it's not all NIO, but I yes, you're absolutely correct in that. That kid got his, and good for him. Absolutely good for him. Great. But it is the Wild West out there. It's, it's just crazy. It's crazy. And almost isn't setting the world on fire. I mean, the only thing that is – Set in stone and concrete right now is Cam Johnson, mm-hmm. the Vanderbilt wide receiver visiting on January 21st. That's the only thing firmed up, firmed up. Now I Sheem Young almost feels like it's in a really good spot for him, but almost felt like it was in a good spot with DJ James too. Not like it does yeah, Young, he,
2: But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I expect DJ James to announce for Auburn sometime this week, maybe the weekend. Um, I think that that's gonna be done. Um yeah, I posted yesterday. I do think they're in a good spot with aishim Young. Now, a lot of it hinges on Chris Partridge because he's a guy that's from Philly. Um, he's familiar with Partridge, Watson. They're both recruiting him. Um, I think it's safe to say that that plays a role in where aishim Young would go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's, it's hard. Like, look, people need to just, you know, take – your, take your lumps here. There are programs that hard are in to the transfer, do. Hard to transfer do. market now that – pre. I mean, I remember a couple years ago when there was one, Nick Saban, that was very critical of people that got into the transfer portal. And All I'm saying is it's hard to take your best lumps. best receiver is Jamison Williams, who is a transfer. So when programs like that are in the transfer market, I mean, it's it's not impossible, but it's damn near impossible to compete unless you got the money. Oh, well, come on. What I'm saying is it's
1: hard that, to take your lungs and it's hard to be patient. If you're yeah, a yeah. misfit no, after I mean, 10 and three, cause you're not used to falling in this way. So I yeah, young. It, there's a lot of momentum there. A lot of momentum for Zach Evans, some academic hurdles to clear. Also yeah. does Kevin still leaving? If he were to leave to go to Miami, would that have any effect? I don't really think so, but Oh, Kevin Smith, not Kevin Steele. Yeah. Kevin Smith does I say Kevin still. Yeah. Oh God. Sorry. 40 and slip there. No, he's not a candidate. <laughs> he, he wouldn't be a candidate.
2: He wouldn't be. Not, not this week. Um, he wouldn't be next week either. Yeah, he was like a week ago, maybe for like two hours. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, part of me thinks that Kevin Smith plays a role. Um, he's absolutely a guy that Zach Evans wants to play for. And but it's they, not like Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Levy. No, I wouldn't go that far. Because he's never played for Kevin Smith like mm-hmm. Dylan Gabriel has. So in uh, if Kiffin wants to, he can step up and make a case for Zach Evans to come and be the guy. But so can yeah, John, that would definitely make it difficult. Zach Evans, Deion Smith, Aishim Shime. Yeah, I, I um I got some some industry sources uh, that were saying that there's several names that are not in the portal yet at other power five schools that there are two, um, there are two that I've heard pretty concrete that
1: aren't in the portal yet. They're not power five, but two guys that Ole Miss. Yeah. I've heard of
2: one. If and when I, I can't, I can't divulge who, but it's an sec school. It's an sec West school. That have a couple that Ole Miss is hot and heavy after. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of where college football is now. Just constant recruiting. You're constantly recruiting your own roster, and you're constantly having to used to be that there update. were, like, windows for everything. There was the they, they gotta, recruiting they gotta window. Yeah,
0: they they gotta got to
2: recruit a window. They got to put a cap on NIL, or it's just going to get stupid, and mm-hmm. the college football playoff is going to look the same every single year. I mean, it already does, but it'll just. Be this fun. feels like a Debbie Downer podcast, was it? I know I'm, I'm feeling better. I mean, I, I'm not sick anymore.
1: But this felt like know. it was Debbie Downing as far as what we
2: talked about. Is am I kind of reading this wrong? Uh, I mean, no, I would say Debbie Downer, but I mean, it was a little bit of a, <laughs> of a, uh, what what do you call it? I, I, I don't know. Like a uh, shit. I'm losing my mind. Um, Slap in the face I, with reality. I don't know. Yeah, 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 A rea- reality check. Okay, like it, it's okay to admit that you have issues with how Linkin used apart.
1: to not be though. If you said anything,
2: well, you were yeah, called screw every name under the book or in the book. I can't talk. Yeah, today. but but look, man, it, look, I I've jokingly said that I spoke it into existence with Linkin. I convinced. Uh, one David Brandt that Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss was a good idea on a podcast that I did with uh, my good buddies, Ben Woodhouse, Nicholas Carr. Shout out to those guys. We we, we had a podcast where the, at the beginning, we were all three telling David, it's Lane Kiffin. He's the guy. He can change the program. That's who they need to hire. At the beginning of the podcast, he was like, no, absolutely not. That's stupid. By the I end of it, David. he was like, okay, I'm in. Let's do it. I mean that was back in early 2018, I believe. I can't remember, but you know, then it happens, and you know now who we are. But both things can be true. You can be stoked and pumped to go ten and three in year two, and to you know all the success that you had. But on this, you can also admit, Link Kiffin probably needs to do some, you know, probably needs to look in a little bit and I wouldn't say soul searching. That's a little too far. That's a little dramatic. Um, that's a little much, but you got to admit that, Hey man, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm doing things a little different. Maybe I'm doing things a little bit, maybe I'm a little bit off with how I operate. Maybe I need to change. And that's not, that's not, that's not criticizing. People need to get over it. It's not criticizing. It's just an opinion, but that's, again, both things can be true. They can be mutually exclusive. It's been talk of champions
1: recruiting, not a lot of recruiting, but talk of champions recruiting. I'm Ben Garrett at spirit, been on Twitter. He's Zach Barry at Zach underscore Barry. If you haven't already subscribed, review talk of champions and iTunes and when you do leave a five-star review, it doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars, we both write for the Old Miss spirit, spirit.com and affiliate of on 3com Bradley, Sal and I will be back with our second mailbag of the week. After asking for questions on Sunday, got 90 covered half of them on Monday We'll cover the other half for tomorrow's podcast. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. See you.
0: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat.